بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده و نسلی علی رسوله الكریم اما بعد we had comments discussing the tawazu and the humility of Nabi Kareem صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم and then we comments this hadith where one point only was discussed about the manner in which Nabi Kareem صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم divided his time indoors the three separate portions of time one portion of time for Allah Ta'ala and one portion of time for his family one portion of time for his personal needs but that portion was also generally given back to people so what was mentioned on this is that one portion of time for Allah Ta'ala that is an extremely important portion of time Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had a very long portion dedicated for this we may not be able to manage dedicating a very long portion but there must be some portion some portion of time in the home dedicated for Allah Ta'ala in that our the time for our ma'amulat for example some time for tilawat of the Quran Sharif for zikr time for some nawafil ta'aleem in the home all this is included this is a very important part of the program of the home the home is the building block of the society you see all these huge buildings, skyscrapers but every huge tall building is made up with a combination of small bricks if those bricks are not there, the building is not there so the building is seen as a whole but all that is made up of those small little bricks so likewise the society as a whole the building block of a society is each home and the kind of environment that is created in the home the positive situation that is in the home all that it contributes towards a healthy society and if there is a problem in the home this is going to affect the society somewhere now if it's one home somewhere it will be very minor you may not even realize and notice the impact if it's more then accordingly and if many many homes are in the same situation then the whole society becomes dysfunctional so this is the lesson we learn from this that there should be time for all this time for the family time for Allah Ta'ala's ibadat time for one's personal needs whatever one's time to rest etc so all this is from the Mubarak Sirat of Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam our problem is that we haven't really studied the Mubarak Sirat the solution to every issue is in the Sirat of Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in his Mubarak life because Allah Ta'ala has declared لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا that in the Rasul of Allah Ta'ala is a most beautiful example so now a sample, an example if it cannot provide the full guidance then it's deficient so to say that certain aspect of life we won't find the solution in the Sirat Na'uzubillah where the impact of this goes that Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was not a complete example or a sample as we may call it for ourselves to follow 
Because in this particular aspect, Na'uzubillah, there isn't a solution. And that would be a very serious matter, because that goes against this very declaration of the Qur'an Sharif. The thing is, we need to see where's the solution, find out from those who have that insight into this Mubarak Sirat. After all, what is the Qur'an and Hadith for? The Qur'an and Hadith is for our guidance, the Qur'an and Sunnah is all for our guidance. For what? For every aspect of life. <coughs> Nothing is excluded from it. So, to the extent that we attach ourselves to the Mubarak Sirat, find out from the Ulama Kiram, read the authentic compilations on Sirat, there is so much that is being read nowadays, things that the extent to which was never ever read previously. But unfortunately many of the things which are of either no benefit to us or in fact harmful to us, much of that is being read. So to find out the authentic compilations on Sirat and to read them, there is one extremely excellent compilation, Siratul Mustafa, Hazrat Mawlana, there is a complete translation of the original work, there is a abridged version as well. Uh, very deep, very comprehensive and goes into a lot of the details that we should be knowing in any case. So that's something to now take the time and effort to read through that, study it well. We will learn a lot from it and it will guide us inshallah tremendously. So to become acquainted with the Mubarak Sirat, that's an extremely important aspect. This too, this Hadith Sharif is quite lengthy, but I'm not going to go word for word. Uh, certain aspects that are here we will discuss. One of the things that are mentioned about Nabi Karim Wasallam and how he interacted with his companions. So, among the things that are mentioned here is that he was prepared for every situation. Sometimes, now this is referring to things that normally are expected sometime or the other to happen. It's not that when something now happens, now a person is scratching his head now, what should he do? Now there wasn't a greater mutawakkil person with greater reliance on Allah Ta'ala than Nabiya Kareem Wasallam. Nobody can compare and could compare to his tawakkul. But as a lesson to the Ummad, he was, he had preparations for every situation. So, that when there's something that's required, that person is now not in a predicament. Now he is going helter-skelter. So this was a lesson to the Ummad. Tawakkul is not the abandoning of the means. That's not what Tawakkul is all about. Tawakkul is an extremely important, fundamental requirement in the life of a mu'min. That he must have Tawakkul. Tawakkul means trust in Allah Ta'ala. So Tawakkul doesn't mean abandoning the means. But Tawakkul means that when adopting the means, not to have one iota of trust in the means. So using the means, but the trust in Allah Ta'ala alone. That the means will only help to the extent that Allah Ta'ala wills. So now we will adopt it as part of the teaching of deen. The Nabi Karim taught us to adopt the means. 
So a person is adopting the means, for example, he is not well, so he will take the medication. It's sunnah, with that niyat, he'll take it. He will go to a doctor if he's required, he'll undertake whatever is required in that regard as well. But whatever step he undertakes, he will keep refreshing the fundamental aspect in his heart and mind that shifa comes from Allah alone. Shifa does not come from the treatment of the doctor, that is a means. Shifa does not come from the medication, the medication is a means. But shifa comes from Allah Ta'ala alone. So we'll adopt the means. But trust in Allah Ta'ala alone. Person will take whatever steps he is required to take, what's reasonable, what he needs to take in terms of security. So now he will take some steps, he will put burglar on his house. He feels, okay now this is not sufficient because the place he comes for is called South Africa. So then now he'll add a boundary wall, he'll put maybe some electric fencing on it. He might have an armed guard also. But with all that, he will not feel that now that this is in place, so it's secure. He'll adopt the means. But the reliance in Allah Ta'ala alone. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us from all these halat and all these situations and conditions. Many people were very, very <coughs> confident about who they have on speed dial. On anything, you know, I just press this one button. This person is on speed dial. So they were very confident and overconfident about the buttons they can press. But Allah Ta'ala save us from ever seeing those halat again. At the time when that situation came up in KZN, the looting and so on, people were pressing all the buttons and no answer. Then a person realized, you can't rely on anything, you rely on Allah alone. Adopt the means, no problem if he's got somebody that is ready to help him sometimes, but can't rely on that at all. Allah Ta'ala wills, that will happen. That person might be available, the person will, it'll come to his heart to help. One person came to Harun Rashid, and he asked Harun Rashid for some help, because he wants to go for Hajj. So Harun Rashid said to him, that's one of two situations, either you have the means, Hajj has become further on you already, then it means you have sufficient means, that's why it became further on you. Then you shouldn't be asking and begging it for something. And either it's not, you don't have sufficient for Hajj to become further on you, then you don't even have to go. So there's no need to ask anybody for anything then. So the person now replied and said that I didn't come to ask you for any fatwa, I came to ask you for some help. <laughs> if I needed a fatwa, I would have gone to somebody else. I didn't come for a fatwa. You know, sometimes you get maybe villagers, Bedouins, even in the majlis of Nabi Karim sallam, the Bedouins would come, they would sometimes say things which others wouldn't take a chance addressing Nabi Karim sallam that way. But they didn't have that opportunity of learning etiquette and so on coming from the villages. So they used to be overlooked. And this shouldn't be taken uh, in a negative way. It wouldn't be regarded as offensive also for that person. Not for anyone and everyone. So depending who said it and how he said it. But for him he'll be excused because, because of who he is, where he comes from etc. So this person too might have been somebody of that nature. And Harun Rashid also took it in his stride. He didn't take offense to it. He told him, I'm not asking you for a fatwa. I came to ask you for help. Then he said to him, 
that if you give it, then the giver is Allah Ta'ala, but you'll be appreciated. And if you refuse, the one who has withheld it is Allah Ta'ala, you'll be excused. Subhanallah, that's a very, it's a very big lesson to always bear in mind. Sometimes, maybe on a family level, sometimes on a business level, sometimes in some social load, whatever. Now we've asked somebody for some assistance in some matter, whatever it might have been. Sometimes some little help to just get something done, whatever. And somebody was able to assist, somebody was not. Somebody accepted, somebody declined. All these things, the heart should still stay clear and clean. The heart shouldn't become... After all, if you're asking somebody for a favor, he's not obliged. He's no... can't demand something from somebody. And at the end of the day, the giver is Allah Ta'ala alone. And the one who will put it in his heart is Allah Ta'ala. So, if that didn't happen, there's no need for anybody to take any offense to it, but why this person didn't help me? I asked him for a small little thing to help me do this one little task. And uh, he just ignored it. So favor is not an, a, an obligation on anybody. That should never become a reason for offense. A lot of times in day-to-day -day things, it starts breaking up family relationships over these kind of things. I asked the person just for this and he, so now as a result now, shunning him. But was he obliged to do that? Was it a compulsory thing for him? Yes, okay, it was good if he had managed to help you. But he didn't do something wrong by declining it. It was his prerogative. He didn't shirk in a responsibility, unless if it's a responsibility, is a different matter. So, this is the way in which these things should be understood and accepted. So, we digressed on something what we were started off discussing was Jiji. So Nabi Akareem Sallallahu his manner of interacting with the Sahaba Ikiram, how he uh, dealt with them. So there are certain aspects that are mentioned. So he started off on this note, Dikulli Halin Indahu Atad. He had a preparation for every situation. And then further, لا يقصر عن الحق ولا يجاوزه He wouldn't fall short of what is the haq, neither will he transgress it. Meaning what is the right of somebody, he wouldn't fall short in it, he wouldn't transgress it in any way. He would fulfill each person's rights. And likewise, whatever is the haq, that is what was, <coughs> that is what was always upheld. Thereafter, further down, أَفْضَلُهُمْ عِنْدَهُ أَعَمُّهُمْ نَسِيحَةً وَأَعْزَمُهُمْ عِنْدَهُ مَنْزِلَةً أَحْسَنُهُمْ مُوَاسَاتًا وَمُوَازَرَةً Now, many people would come into the gathering of Nabi Karim Wasallam. Many people would be around him. But the narrator, Hazrat Ali he says the most virtuous of the people in the sight of Nabi Karim Wasallam were those who were most well-wishing for everybody. Those who were the greatest well-wishers for everyone else, they were the most virtuous in the eyes of Nabi Karim 
Now this aspect of well wishing for others. This is an inherent quality in a mu'min. That is always a well wisher. La yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhihi ma yuhibbu li nafsi. Okama qala nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says a person is not la yu'minu ahadukum. Literally translated, none of you is a mu'min. He's not a believer. Until he loves for his fellow Muslim what he loves for himself. Now the muhaddithin will now then explain to us that he's not a believer does not mean that he is devoid of any iman itself he is without iman this is not what it refers to but it refers to a major deficiency in iman and the deficiency is not a small deficiency it's a major deficiency as a result it was expressed in this strong manner la yu'minu ahadukum there are many instances where this is the manner of address Wallahi la yu'min with qasam Nabi Islam says Wallahi la yu'min Allah's qasam that person is not a mu'min and then three times Wallahi la yu'min Wallahi la yu'min the sahaba were jolted that this is a very severe matter who qila man ya Rasulullah Nabi Islam then replied and said alladhi la ya'manu jaruhu bawa'iqa the one whose neighbor is not safe from his harm la yu'min now he is causing all kinds of difficulties and harm sometimes uh, in one way, sometimes in another way causing uh, some problem for the person so now that was, it's not meant to negate Iman but to highlight the importance of what is being said that the neighbor's rights are very great so this is also another occasion where the same address is given that لا يؤمن أحدكم or a mu'min who la yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhi until he loves for his fellow muslim what he loves for himself this is applied in two ways one way in which it's applied in is that if a person was in the shoes of his fellow brother of his brother in his fellow muslim shoes what would he have liked for himself now for example, somebody is, simple example, he's starting off a business. So now he's starting off a business. So now if we had to put ourselves in his shoes, and we were starting off that business, what we would have liked for ourselves? We would have liked that it takes off with ease, everything falls into place, then it is prosperous, we find good staff to manage it and run it, we, all the things that are related to it, uh, the suppliers must now, maybe somebody is, uh, we want some account from him, he must easily give us that account. Whatever, all the things that go along with setting up a business and then running a business, all that 101 things we will desire for ourselves. And we saw a fellow Muslim, he is busy starting up something, we must wish all that for him. That Allah Ta'ala open the doors for him make everything happen with ease and afiyat <coughs> Allah Ta'ala make it profitable for him make it a means of halal income in abundance with barakat because all this we wish for ourselves we wish for him and then this becomes good for him for dunya, good for him for his akhirat as well that he must earn his akhirat through this all this we should be wishing, we will wish for ourselves all this so to wish the same for our fellow Muslim brother and at that time if the wish is 
Hey, this, this is going to be a competition in town. I hope something goes wrong here. Maybe something will happen, the doors won't even open. Now, if that is the manner in which we are engaging our hearts, then there is a major problem. There is a major problem if we are wishing the downfall of a fellow Muslim. We wish good for ourselves, we wish good for him too. Allah Ta'ala grant barakat to both. In our days, I grew up in Stanger, so my Baroom father used to mention one incident about somebody in family. So he had a business and somebody diagonally across was now starting off something, going to be opening up and doing the same business, selling the same items basically roughly. So now generally this starts creating some kind of little bit of concern maybe and also some feelings of some sort. He says, as now time was getting closer to really now open the doors, things are all set up, etc. This person went across, met him and welcomed him to the, maybe he was some out of town or whatever. He told him, look, I'm across the road in the same trade from a long time. Anytime there's any help I can give you, please don't hesitate. And my Rosie will come to me, your Rosie will come to you, so you don't have to hesitate for anything that you want that I can help with. And Allah Ta'ala give you barakat also, give me barakat also. Now that kind of feeling, then the barakat that comes out of that is something that, it's not something that adds up. One is the system that adds up, now, 2 plus 2 is equal to 4, that's a system that adds up, we can add meaning. And there's a system that we can't add. Hazrat Shah Ismail Shaheed Rahmatullah very great personality about 200 years ago, roughly about that. But he was in a very great personality in India. So one day he was just uh, in a very general way. He was giving targheeb and he was encouraging the tilawat of the Quran Sharif, that how important it is and how much effort should be made in tilawat of the Quran Sharif. And in passing, it just, just came up in passing. In, there are those servants of Allah Ta'ala who, it was either Shah, Shahid or Shah Abdul Aziz Rahmatullah one of the two, says there are those servants of Allah Ta'ala that if they start off the tilawat of the Quran Sharif after Asr, before Maghrib they'll make khatam as well. Now he just mentioned it in a general way, he didn't take anybody's name, and it just happened to come up by chance that this is also something Allah Ta'ala blesses some people. But the manner in which he said it, some people detected this is actually he's talking about himself. He is the person that Allah is blessed with this. So they started persisting on him in a roundabout way first and then maybe more directly. You're going to have to do this for us. That one day we want to be part of this Tilawat. That you're going to start after Maghrib, after Asr and complete before Maghrib and we're going to be following, we're going to be part of this Tilawat. So one day he eventually agreed and beforehand he told everybody, okay, we'll gather on the banks of the Jamna River, whatever the reason for that might have been. So they all gathered there, they made the Asar Salah there and after Asar Salah he started reciting Quran Sharif and everybody is holding the Quran or whoever had it, many, the following line for line. Now you're just listening to somebody reciting from, and you listening 
he is reciting. I don't know whether he jumped something or not. Maybe half is also he might have felt maybe he dozed off. But now people, the thousands are following because now this message went round. So huge gathering came along. And they are all following in the Quran Sharif. And he started off after Asar, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. As the sun was setting, now maybe that was the other part of it, that now they are all at the bank of the river, now they can see the sun setting too. As the sun setting, he was back, Now a person thinks, now how can this be possible? Between Asar and Maghrib, read Asar at the earliest time, which they might have done. And Maghrib is Maghrib time, sunset is sunset. Can't delay that for another time. So how can this be possible? So now there's one calculation that it takes so long to read one ayat, and so long to read one para, and then so many para, so many hours. That's our calculation. There's another calculation beyond that. There are many, once Hazrat Maulana Yusuf Mutala Sahib, Ahmadullah from England, he had come to South Africa, so again for the encouragement of Tilawat, he said, you want everybody will, he was having these programs in many places, setting a date, whoever can come spend the night there, but try to make one khatam of the Qur'an Sharif in that meaning from the time they started off was after Asr so till you finish off somebody maybe Fajr time whatever but try to finish one khatam so he sat after Asr also and in about five hours time he made khatam now five hours time we try to work out it doesn't work that two plus two is not adding to four now this two plus two you try to add it now you're trying to make two plus two come to twenty two because 2 plus 2 doesn't add to 22 in our calculation, only as to 4. But they somehow getting 22 out of it. Now that 22 is called Bargat. That 22 is called Bargat. That from two, adding 2 plus 2, but you're getting more than 22, 222, maybe even more than that. That's the Bargat. Bargat is not something that can be calculated and counted. That this is how it worked out. Barkat is a calculation beyond the calculation we are aware of. It's something apart from that. Hazrat Abu Bakr mentioned, this is a hadith in Bukhari Sharif. He was busy with Nabi Karim sallallahu There were some guests that had come. So he told his son, please take care of the guests. And attend to them because I will still be a bit delayed. I will be with Nabi Karim sallallahu So in any case, he came but delayed. They told him up front, but when the guest now had come to his house, they inquired about where is he, so they were told he won't be here now, he'll be here much later. So they wanted to be, they felt it, I mean, they want to be in his company. <coughs> they said, no, we're not going to eat till he comes. So they declined to eat till he comes, they said, we'll wait for him. When he came, he asked, have the guests eaten? They said, no, no, they haven't eaten yet, so he got very upset. Because now the guests were being delayed, they were probably hungry, and you haven't fed them yet. So, in any case, he took a qasam, I will never eat this food. Now, he himself was hungry. So then he realized, no, no, I shouldn't have taken this qasam. So he come down, he, then he said, no, I must break this qasam. This qasam is not right. I'll have to give the kafara of this. But this qasam, when taking a qasam on something that is incorrect, then the right thing to do is to break that qasam. Sometimes people take persons in the heat of the moment. I'll never speak to this person again. Now they find it convenient later to say, what must I do? I took the qasam now already. I can't now talk to him. So already one wrong. Now they found that one wrong convenient to now continue and perpetuate the wrong. No, that qasam is to be broken. 
Yes, the kafara will be applicable. That's in the hadith sharif. A person has taken a qasam on something wrong, then he must break the qasam. That's the right thing to do. But yes, the kafara will be applicable. He'll have to give the kafara. So in any case now, finally the guests around, he sat down and they started eating. As they eating, every time they eating, the food is increasing. And after the whole group had eaten, it appeared that there was now more food than when they started off. So now, this is the hadith in Bukhari Sharif, that when they finished off eating, after everybody had eaten to their full, there was more food than what had started off. Rabbi Kareem Salaam at the time of the Battle of the Trench, the Jabir came and invited him, please few Sahaba have a little bit, because there was severe hunger, just a little bit available, we started one kid, goat, kid, and a like a one, what we would understand, like a kilo and a half of barley to make some bread, that's it. And the Karim Sassam invited the whole army. He came quietly and just mentioned it. And the Karim Sassam invited the whole army. Javed has given you all an invitation to eat. So he came running and he tells his wife that everybody is coming. So first she got very upset that now you're going to disgrace me in front of everybody, I don't have enough for everyone. But then she asked him one question, did you inform Nabi Karim Sassam how much we have? So he said, yes, I informed. She said, well, then there's nothing to worry about. SubhanAllah, what, what insight and understanding that if Nabi Sallallahu knew about it and he still invited everybody, we got nothing to be worried about. And then this entire army ate, uh, everybody ate to their full and there was still so much left over. The point is, this is what's called Barkat. So Barkat is not something that happens on the note of 2 plus 2. It is the feelings with which a person does things, the good feelings, how he goes about it, that well-wishing, the manner in which he, he does things in the way that Deen has taught. That's what brings Barkat. One person had Maybe he was know him well to Allah, Allah, whatever. So he's now insisting on him, please come to my shop. I said, Well, I want to come to your shop. And do, no, no, please. So eventually he said, No, but what I must come for? He said, No, if you come, you know, your Mubarak feet will come into my business. There will be so much barakat. So I said, Look, the barakat, mashallah, the barakat that will come is you bring deen in your business. Say, I come and everybody else comes, but you don't bring deen alive in your business, no barakat will come. Barakat will come with deen. One person said to us, my brother, please come home. Or to the business also, he said, please come because you will take one walk. So much of barakat will come. So my mother dismissed it in a very light-hearted way. He says, if I knew that my walking would be so much barakat, I'll keep walking up and down my own house. Because I'll fill it up with barakat then. So, in any case, that was just a light-hearted thing he said on the side. The point is that this is a different calculation which comes by to the extent a person has connected himself to Allah Ta'ala. And on this point that we were discussing, this aspect of well-wishing. Now here we see also that it is mentioned that the person who was most virtuous in the eyes of Nabi Karim Sallallahu obviously this virtue is on the foundation of what is necessary. Nobody there was shirking and falling short in terms of their obligations of deen 
or getting involved in wrongs, etc. That's the foundation. Virtue doesn't come without the foundation. The virtue, you see the, mashallah, well-built building, and now it's done up so brightly, and this is, but all that is standing on the foundation, which you can't even see. Take the foundation out, none of that will be ever standing in place, and all that fancy footings and all that will be of no use, because there's no foundation, everything will collapse. So the foundation is the faraiz, the wajibad, the sunan, sunnat al and staying away from haram, staying away from makruh tahrimi. That's the foundation. Now on that, the most virtuous in the sight of Nabi Karim sallam was the one who is most well-wishing for others. We were discussing in the Hadith Sharif that لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى يُحِبَّ لِأَخِيهِ مَا يُحِبُّ لِنَفْسِهِ So the application of this is, one is what we mentioned, that if a person puts himself in the shoes of the next person, what will he wish for himself? That is what he must wish for his fellow Muslim. And the other, this is the lesson of keeping the heart clean of hasad, jealous because nobody wants that people should be jealous of him, he shouldn't be jealous of others, having hasad, having malice, having ill feeling, looking down upon others. So because all this is what we desire for ourselves, that nobody should look down upon us, nobody should be harboring malice against us. Nobody should be harboring jealousy against us. So the same that we are wishing for ourselves, that must be wished for others. Heart clean, that's a moment, completely keeping a clean heart. Sometimes his hurt, his hurt is a different matter. That's insan, that's not in his control, he got hurt. But with the hurt, doesn't mean that he cannot have a clean heart. That hurt is human nature, that's insan now. Somebody said something offensive, he'll feel offended. But then, if there's something that needs to be addressed, he'll address it. But then he cleans his heart out. And he sorts it out and he doesn't walk around with it. He doesn't, for a while he feels the effect of that. And he clears his heart and carries on. He doesn't carry this baggage along. Because what's the point of carrying the baggage? Because the weight of the baggage is on his own head who said something offensive, they forgot about it, they carry on with life like nothing happened. And who's getting crushed under the weight of all this baggage? One, two, three, ten people. We're just hurting ourselves. First somebody else hurt us. Now they forgot about it too, and we're still hurting ourselves over somebody else's wrong. There's no benefit to us. So, we get past it. Yes, in San, we feel it initially. But now the way to get past it is to correctly engage the mind, correctly engage the heart. This vehicle moves forward when it is in the right gear. <coughs> if a person got it in reverse and he tries to make it go forward, it's never going to go forward. It will go in reverse and he will knock into something behind him, he might go over the cliff behind him. So if we keep our minds and hearts in, negative, in reverse mode, in negative thinking, then we're going to knock into this and bump into that and Allah forbid fall over the cliff. So we have to keep... En- now, but the point is that from time to time things happen that now disengage it from that forward gear, puts it into neutral or throws it into reverse. We're going to have to deliberately engage it into forward gear again. By positively thinking... Dunya is dunya after all, we need to move forward. Okay, whatever happened, somebody said something that hurt me, somebody did something that hurt me. This became an occasion for me to make sabr, to turn to Allah Ta'ala. 
I was so heedless for the past few days, not even thinking of Allah Ta'ala as such, just going through the motions, but now this jolted me, it made me even shed a few tears, but I turned to Allah Ta'ala, I made some dua, this became a positive for me. Now thinking in that way lightens the whole heart. That okay, if this became a positive for me in the sense that it connected me to Allah Ta'ala, what was done was wrong, but you know, some good came out of it. So that good that came out of it, now why must I grieve over that? What has happened is happened now. Let bygones be bygones. Now by engage, now that that was thrown, whatever the incident took place had thrown it into reverse. He deliberately engaged it into first gear now, or in that drive. He'll now move forward. But he leaves it there, rather leave it there. He is now, he knows it's in reverse. He's also putting the foot on the pedal now, because now he is revving. Now he's revving now, but he's revving in reverse. So now where is he going to finish off? He's going to vent that anger and where is he going to finish off? So this is something to be learned. This is the example we often take. Somebody, he wanted to test how people react and think. So he put a glass of half a glass filled with water. So the glass, only half water. Gave two people a piece of paper. He told them each one to write a comment about it. So now no one knows what the other person is writing. One fellow wrote a comment, the other fellow wrote the comment, one fellow wrote, this glass is half empty. The other person wrote, this glass is half full. Both described the same thing, and both the description was accurate, and one person was on the, ta- on the opposite end of the other. But one saw the negativity in it, the other saw the positivity. One saw the emptiness, half empty, the other person saw half full. But So he commented on, a positive note. This person saw the negativity. So in everything, this is dunya. Dunya is not Jannat, it's not Jahannam either. Dunya is a place where there's a mixture of the happiness too, there's some sadness too, there's some good, there's some bad, there's some grief, there's some joy. All these things are mixed. Everything. This is dunya. This is the challenge of dunya. Now if we decide to see all the negatives, we'll see the negatives only. And we decide to focus on the positives, there's enough of that, more than enough. That will make the heart brum with sugar. Otherwise, despondency will come. So this is the thing that the aspect of being positive and turning things back into positivity. Something has happened, it's happened. But to become positive, this is that will take us forward. So this was actually out of this discussion about that the person who was most virtuous in the sight of Nabi Kareem Wasallam was the one who was the greatest well-wisher for others. A'ammuhum nasihatan. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, Allah Ta'ala bless us with this well-wishing, well-wishing in deen, to be a well-wisher of the deen of every person, and also whatever we can to be the well-wishers of dunya as well for the others, to help people in their difficulties, in their hardships. Somebody is starving, we try to do what we can to remove that starvation. Somebody is without basics of life, whatever we can do to try and help. And as often mentioned on this note when these, this discussion comes up, really one is whatever Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody, we use those ni'mats, enjoy the ni'mats of Allah Ta'ala, no problem, make shukr on it. But there's often a degree of wastage, and sometimes a significant amount of wastage. There's an eating out culture for example, and how much gets wasted sometimes in that. There's weddings, Sometimes what not happens and how much of wastage and just in fancy frills and deco and what not people spend sometimes we hear it 
find it hard to believe, but people say that whether you want to believe it or not, that's the reality. Hundreds of thousands were spent just in the deco side of it, which was of no tangible benefit to anybody. Now, if only that wastage is saved, let alone what a person used in the, he enjoyed, alhamdulillah. If just that wastage is saved and shared with those who don't have even the basics, it will probably remove the bulk of the poverty. Because there's so much of wastage. The bulk of the poverty will be gone. So this is something for us to also think about. Allah give us tawfiq. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحسيفنا عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وعنت الوجوه للحي القيوم يا أحدا صمدا لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإلا بتخلنا وترحمنا لنكون من الخاسرين رب خير ورحم وعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا ندامة ولا بفتونين اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعسيان وجعلنا من الراشدين الله العالمين يا الله most merciful, most gracious, most high most loving Allah الله العالمين يا الله forgive us يا الله يا رحب الراحمين يا رحب الراحمين يا رحب الراحمين يا الله forgive us all our major advices يا الله whatever we did deliberately, mistakenly يا الله external sins internal sins يا الله يا الله cleanse our hearts out of all the sin and vice يا الله fill our hearts with your محبت يا الله Make our hearts shiny, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fill it with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill it with the love of Nabi Kareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Fill it with the love of his Mubarak Sunnah, Ya Allah. Fill it with the love of Deen, Ya Allah. With the love of the A'mal of Deen, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, save us from the ways of the Yahud and Nasara, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, you guide us to your pleasure at all times, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, keep us and our families and our progeny still qiyamah steadfast on Iman, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, all our friends, our relatives, the entire ummah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah, each one of their families, their progeny still qiyamah, ya Allah. Allah, keep all steadfast on iman, ya Allah. Allah, bless each one with your muhammad, ya Allah. Allah, bless each one with the nisbat of the awliya siddiqeen, ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, do not deprive us due to our sins, ya Allah. Allahumma la tahrimna bisuri a'malina. Allahumma la tahrimna bisuri a'malina. Allahumma la tahrimna bisuri a'malina. Allah, you accept our coming to this Mubarak place, Ya Allah. Allah, we are so full of weaknesses and faults, Ya Allah. Allah, we do not even know the correct etiquette and adab, Ya Allah. Allah, we have transgressed so much of this, Ya Allah. Allah, out of your grace and mercy, forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. 
Ya Allah, make our coming a means of getting close to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, becoming very attached to his Mubarak sunnah, Ya Allah. To his Mubarak way of life, Ya Allah. Bless us with his noble and beautiful akhlaq, Ya Allah. With his noble and beautiful mu'asharat, Ya Allah. With his beautiful mu'amalat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, enable us to follow in his Mubarak footsteps at every juncture of life, Ya Allah. At every step of life, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you fill our hearts, Ya Allah, with well-wishing, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with well-wishing, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with well-wishing, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all those qualities that Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loved, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, what brought people close to him, Ya Allah. Bless us with all those qualities also, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, the Mubarak month of Ramadan, enable us to appreciate every moment, Ya Allah. Enable us to use the moments correctly, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the wealth of taqwa, Ya Allah. Bless us with the wealth of taqwa, Ya Allah. Bless us with your Muhammad, Ya Allah. Connect us to yourself, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, all the du'as that have been made, Ya Allah. Out of your grace and mercy, accept it, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us all that we have asked for, Ya Allah. What we should have been asking for, grant us that as well without asking, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri masta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'ad wa alayka al-balaag wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-aliyil azim Allah all those are ill give them complete shifa and afiyat ya Allah remove every taste of their ailments ya Allah Allah cures from all our spiritual ailments ya Allah cures from our physical ailments ya Allah Allah those with any kind of difficulty and hardship remove it with afiyat ya Allah Allahul alamin all those who ask us to make dua for them ya Allah who have raised their hands to this dua Allah you fulfill each one's dies needs ya Allah fulfill each one's pious aspirations ya Allah remove each one's difficulties and hardships ya Allah remove the sorrow the worry the grief the anxiety the depression ya Allah Allah fill the hearts with itminan and sukoon ya Allah Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, you grant us every khair, barkat and afiyat, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nasaluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa na'udhu bika min sharri masta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balaag. Wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-alihi al-azim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi sayyidina Muhammadi wa alihi wa sahabihi ma'in. Alhamdulillah.